We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guys, Cody and Derek, back for another episode, guys. I know it's been a little bit of time since we've both been able to be together. We were definitely enjoying our holiday weekend. Hope you guys were able to as well. Hopefully didn't get as sunburned as probably we both did. Uh, but nonetheless, we are back, ready to talk more Colts. And in this, the most boring part of the offseason, not a whole lot going on right now, guys. But we still have a lot of content, a lot of topics to talk about. I actually spent a lot of time here recently coming up with a list of all the different topic ideas that I've had, topic ideas that we've done in the past. And this one's actually a new one. And we're going to talk about things that the Indianapolis Colts must do differently here in 2022, things they didn't do in 2021. They must do differently if 2022 is going to be a better season for them. Now, it's been well-documented. The Colts started slow and they ended very slow as well. And that was the difference between the Colts being a playoff team versus where they actually were sitting on the couch, just like we were watching the playoffs. And so we have about seven points, guys, that we're going to talk about. Some of these points kind of feed into each other here about things that the Colts need to do differently. And I think the first one, where we got to start here, Derek, is the most important position in football. That's the quarterback position. The Indianapolis Colts last year down the stretch, it was fairly obvious that the Colts did not trust their quarterback, right? I mean, with the overusage of Jonathan Taylor and, and the way the Colts just really didn't pass the ball hardly at all, even in the New England game where they won, they hardly passed the ball. And when they did, what happened? Interception. It didn't really go very well for them. So it was fairly obvious by their actions the Colts didn't trust Carson Wentz down the stretch. Here we go. They got rid of him, somehow got rid of him for a decent compensation, got Matt Ryan, who they have a lot of trust in. They feel like he can be the guy that can lead the offense. Doesn't necessarily need to be the focal point. But, Derek, one thing the Colts didn't do last year, which is, I think, a big reason why they're sitting out of the playoffs last year, was utilizing the passing game, making having more of an actual passing attack, being less run-heavy and being more balanced offensively. What are your thoughts on this first point here about the passing game and the quarterback play? Well, it, it is all about becoming one-dimensional, and that's another point we're going to talk about here as well. But, you know, when it comes to how your offenses run, if you do become that one-dimensional or if you become over-reliant on one specific thing, then, you know, your defenses, NFL defenses, they learn very quickly and they adapt very well, especially if you have 
any kind of good, competent defensive coordinator, they'll know. I mean, if you if you if you end up going too much passing, then they're just going to bring eight people back and make it virtually impossible for the quarterback to find anything. If you're only throwing the football 15 times a game, then they're probably going to put seven, eight people in the box. And, you know, at some point, that's just going to be too much. It doesn't matter how many tight ends or how many offensive linemen you have out on the field. You won't be able to hold off the defense for very long. So, you know, in that sense, you know, that was what happened in 2021 for the Colts. Not trusting the quarterback down the stretch to make those plays that, you know, just basically kept you in games. You know, we saw so many times and... Frank Reich even mentioned it in one of his pressers. I think it was I think it was after either the Raiders game or the Jags game last year mentioned how, you know, we just over-relied on Jonathan Taylor and we abandoned the pass game too much. Like, well, that that kind of decision doesn't get made unless you don't trust the leader of your team, right? That the head guy, the the captain of the football team, right? So you know, when you get a guy like a Matt Ryan, this allows you to now utilize that point that now you feel going into 2022, Matt Ryan doesn't have to make a lot of big plays, but what he's able to do is now being able to dissect defenses, understand what's going on on the other side, noticing blitz packages, picking up on defensive schemes, things of that nature, because the guy's been in the league for <laughs> for half of our lifetimes, you know, it's one of those things where that experience is now going to enable you to be able to do things that you didn't think you could do in 2021 down the stretch. And with Matt Ryan, now you're like, okay, Matt Ryan doesn't have to blow the rocks off of any defense, but if he can at least keep me moving offensively and give me a much bigger opportunity to open some things up, that get that takes some tension away from Jonathan Taylor because now defenses can't hone in just on the run game alone because now they know if they're coming up, Matt Ryan's going to drop something over the top. He's going to find one of those receivers in the play action or just dropping one off in the middle of the field when there's nobody there, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, the Colts have weapons now, some big, big weapons, and and I'm not talking just straight size here. I mean, you got guys that are going to be a matchup nightmare for almost any corner in the NFL, you know, being able to have those one-on-one matchups, you know, on the outside could be a great thing for Matt Ryan. And then, like I said, you now have a competent passing game. Defensive coordinators have to adjust accordingly. Allows you to run the football a lot more efficiently now. Yes, it's going to it's gonna also help Jonathan Taylor out tremendously. You talked about efficiency-wise, not having to run with so many men in the box and things of that nature. And if he, if they do that, you're right, Matt Ryan would be able to check out of that. He understands defenses and stuff like that. And I've seen people who have kind of tried to compare it in certain ways to the Philip Rivers situation a couple of years ago. You know, I think a couple things to that, a couple of rebuttals to that is, number one, Matt Ryan, I think, maybe not, intellectually as smart because Philip Rivers is probably one of the smartest players to ever play. But Matt Ryan is certainly up there. Uh, but also Matt Ryan's a little bit more mobile. 
than a Philip Rivers was, right? He's not he's not a statue in that backfield. He can do a few more things for you. You're not as limited in the passing game as you were with Philip Rivers. Although Philip Rivers played well, you knew at the end of the day he wasn't going to, you know, make necessarily the big throws or anything like that because he was at the twilight of his career at that point. And number two, the number two point I would make is Jonathan Taylor wasn't where he is now. Not even close. Yeah. He was a rookie. He got benched that season, if you remember that. So the Colts had to rely on Phillip Rivers a lot more than they have to rely on Matt Ryan this season. Certainly, will Matt Ryan need to be, you know, a big part of this offense? Absolutely. He's going to have to be, right? And they're going to have to throw the ball a decent amount at certain points because teams are going to try to take away Jonathan Taylor a lot more than they have in the past. And Matt Ryan's going to have to come through. And what happened, you know, when the teams were able to just kind of not, you can't ever stop Jonathan Taylor, but kind of hold him in check for his standards. At the end of the day, do with Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, exactly. And and what is a big reason why the Titans haven't gone really anywhere in the playoffs besides that one season? It's because they've had limitations at quarterback, right? And with the Colts now, uh, with Matt Ryan, you think it's a major upgrade, you know, just from, you know, uh, from up here, right, where it matters. You know, we think they have a major upgrade there. And oh, by the way, Matt Ryan. Only a couple of seasons removed from being, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, this dude's still got something in him for a couple of years. He's under contract, two more years. So you feel like at minimum, you have your guy for a couple of years here and you feel pretty good about where he's at still. And also considering the teams that he was on, right? I mean, no offensive line, no receivers outside of Kyle Pitts. Uh, you think it's just going to be so good. And, and you kind of mentioned, you know, some of those weapons the Colts have. And I thought that that could lead us to our second point here is Jonathan Taylor maybe getting slightly less usage isn't necessarily a bad thing because you have guys like Naheem Hines, who is a matchup nightmare when he's used effectively. Matchup nightmare. And also, Philip Lindsay potentially as well to help Jonathan Taylor out. It's going to be great for everybody involved. And we saw, man, when Naheem Hines gets involved in the in the game and in the in, you know, gets involved in the game plan. It, it's changing. It changes games when Naeem Hines is involved. And for some weird reason, he wasn't involved last year really at all. It was one of his lowest usages he's had since coming into the league. So now you think Matt Ryan, who uh, in similar ways to Phillip Rivers, he's going to take the open guy, right? He's going to find those mismatches that Naeem Hines provides. And you feel good. And Frank Reich even said it, right? He said, if you're playing fantasy football, I would draft Naeem Hines. So... I mean, all that to say, Matt Ryan has a lot of toys to work with here, and that should excite a lot of people. And the Colts are going to have to get these guys involved, things that they weren't able to do last year. That's a big thing they're going to have to do this year. Yeah, and, you know, for the one thing of Jonathan Taylor not getting as much usage, you know, everyone tries to accumulate that and say, oh, that's a terrible idea. Why would you want to take away your best weapon? Well, there's a couple reasons why we – acknowledge that Jonathan Taylor's usage might need to go down just a little bit. There's a couple reasons for this. And both of them are due to the fact this guy's a running back. Okay. Now again, Jonathan Taylor is a physical freak. Okay. We understand this, but what we're seeing now with guys like Derrick Henry, who again are getting 350, 400 touches a year, his body, his body broke down a little bit last year. And it, it was showing. And now, granted, we'll see how he does this year. I mean, we'll see how he rebounds. But running backs, we understand this. I mean, most of your average fans understand that, you know, running back is one of those positions. A lot of times they just don't last in the NFL for very long. So 
you know, you want to be able to keep Jonathan Taylor around in the long term because what th- this guy's going to provide for you is a long-term solution at running back that is going to impose his will on any defense that he comes across. That's what you want. But at the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor cannot repeat last year where he was averaging 30 uh, he was averaging 32 touches a game uh at the end of the season when you know that that just should not be happening. He should not be touching the ball 25 30 times a game every single game throughout the season. That's just not what needs to happen. You know, you want to see Jonathan Taylor get those 20 rushes a game. I don't mind that. You know, getting around 20 rushes. Sometimes if you can go a few uh, a few less, that would be even better for you because in the long term and especially down the stretch of the season, I mean, I'll say I think Jonathan Taylor kind of got a little bit tired at the end of the season because, again, when you're running the ball as much as he was towards the end of the season, running 30-plus times on, against Buffalo, running thir- 27 times against the Patriots, running 20 times against uh, the Raiders, trying to run 30-plus times against Houston, you know, doing all of this stuff, him being the workhorse that he is, you don't want that guy to slow down. So at the early part of the season, when you can limit his touches by getting Hines involved in the passing game, having Philip Lindsay take a few rushes every now and again out of Jonathan Taylor, give him some rest. That's the kind of thing you want. We've been talking about it, Cody, in the other positions, mainly defensive line for depth purposes. We are talking about at the end of the year, that defensive line, they were gassed at the end of the year, man. Brian Baker did a terrible job as a defensive line coach adjusting to the depth of that defensive line, did a terrible job of getting DeForest Buckner off the field to get rest. And Buckner was running on 96% of the snaps. He was, he was gassed at the end of games. And that's something you don't want in your best offense, most explosive offensive weapon is for him to get gassed. You don't want him to do that. So allowing Philip Lindsay to take a few of those rushes getting Hines involved out of the backfield in different ways, using these other weapons to be able to give Jonathan Taylor just a few times a game where he doesn't have to be uh, involved in the offensive game plan is so effective, not just for the end of this season, but many seasons down the road. If we can get another season or two worth of good production out of Jonathan Taylor because of that, I'll just say this, guys. Jonathan Taylor cannot be rushing the ball for over 300-plus times every single season if we want to continue to have this guy playing at an elite level. Nope, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are human. They do break down just like every other person. You know, even if they are Jonathan Taylors or the Derrick Henrys of the world, that still does happen. So, yeah, you got to make sure he's fresh down the stretch, especially if you're making a playoff push, right? The last thing you want, if you're facing one of the best teams in the NFL, is your is your best player to be gassed like you talked about like you know if he could have fresh legs or as fresh a legs as you can have down the stretch i mean that's going to give you a better chance to win certainly it is so just got to make sure you keep that in check and you know just do a little bit of a better job this next season like you talked about um and just getting jonathan taylor more rest getting his legs keeping his legs as fresh as possible down the stretch and not making him run the ball unnecessarily right for example in that buffalo game i mean you're up 
20, 30 points. He's still running the football at that point. It's like, why? Yeah, you got to get somebody else in there for those for that time exactly. to be able to take some of those snaps away. I mean, it was I mean, it was great. I mean, every Colts fan loves that game because he scored five touchdowns. But like Marlon Mack is on your roster. Give him opportunities. Right. And Philip Lindsay is going to be hopefully on your roster. Give him opportunities. Right. Uh, just don't do what you did last season, right? Just don't do it because we've seen it. It has rarely, if ever, worked out for running backs when they get that massive of a load of carries, you know, in their first couple seasons, right? I mean, heck, just look at uh, Todd Gurley, man. Just look at Todd Gurley out of the league at 25 years old. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. We don't want a repeat of that, okay? So let's just be smart with how we use Jonathan Taylor. We know how great of a weapon he is but he also needs time to recover so he can be as effective as he can down the stretch so we can help this football team down the stretch if they do make a playoff push. Um, but, you know, kind of transitioning to that, I think also a way that the Colts can help Jonathan Taylor is by not being one-dimensional, Derek. Um, they need to make sure that, like we talked about with Matt Ryan, uh, that they're not getting to where they were last season where, you know, they don't trust their quarterback and they're doing all these things. They cannot be one-dimensional offensively. They need to be unpredictable, right? And, you know, the good thing is with bringing in a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who is so good off the play action, that's going to serve them well and serve Matt Ryan and serve this offense well uh, to be a little bit more unpredictable than they were last season for against these defenses. Because the Colts are going to be playing some pretty good defenses in the course of this season. Yeah, and I think that the one-dimensional thing was not as bad in 2020 as it was in 2021 because in 2020, you know, there were times when Rivers would check out of a formation and or understand that, you know, and you felt more confident in Phillip Rivers' ability to get the ball out somewhere. So you didn't always feel like you had to always run or always pass or things like that. You felt confident at the end of the year what the Colts were putting together at the end of 2020. They were doing so well at mixing the balance of Jonathan Taylor and what Phillip Rivers was able to provide. That was what you uh, enjoyed. But then we saw last year, what was it? The Tampa Bay game when in the second and third quarter, Jonathan Taylor touched the ball one time, one time. Now, granted, in the second quarter, the Colts were kicking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers butt in that second quarter, granted. Now, the third quarter, when we started losing that lead, and then we still were not running the football with Jonathan Taylor, you're like, why are we waiting till the fourth quarter when the lead is almost out of uh, our hands? Now are we running the football with our best weapon? Why? You know, and then the lead was uh, out of our hands, and then we decided to run the football. So it just <laughs> felt stupid. And then, you know, at the end of at the end of games, at the end of the season, we saw it again. We tried to rely on Jonathan Taylor too much. Didn't throw the football. I mean, what? How many times did Carson Wentz throw for under like twenty passing attempts in the final like six weeks of the season? I mean, yeah. I think the majority of the back half of the season, he was throwing the ball under twenty times. Now that's just not that's not going to get it done, and that's just something you have to learn to adjust to. Is Matt Ryan is going to have to throw the ball thirty times a game, sometimes, sometimes even forty, to keep defenses honest. And sometimes Jonathan Taylor is going to have to run twenty five plus times in order to be able to keep other defenses honest. But you have to know at some point how to mix them. I think that's that goes on Frank Reich more than anything. Is last well, season we saw we. Said it so yeah. many times, Frank Wright getting one-dimensional. And that's the problem, well, is we cannot allow that to keep happening. I would disagree with you, because I think it's also on the quarterback. 
Because well, yeah, I think I'm not in saying that Tampa it doesn't game, go just with the uh, with right. the head coach, but I think right. Reich has been under the impression that that is how the offense runs sometimes. You, I know Matt Ryan's going to check out of some things, which is good, but ultimately it comes back on the the head coach whose whose game plan is to run things a certain way. Right, but also just in that Tampa Bay game. It's not like the Colts didn't call any run plays. Carson Wentz just checked out of them. If you remember that game, there was a lot of them Carson Wentz checked out of for some odd reason um, because I think he honestly wanted to be the hero a little bit. Um, I think he did have a little bit of that complex there of like he wanted to just, you know, rub it in a little bit and he wanted to be the guy that made the play, you know. And I don't think Matt Ryan's going to be that guy necessarily. Will he make the play? I think he will. I think he'll be a quarterback that will make those throws. But I think he'll understand, and that's where it comes back to the smartness, right, to the to the head knowledge. He's going to understand the situation a heck of a lot better than Carson Wentz did. And he's going to, you know, if the Colts need to run the ball, if that's what they feel like they need to do, he's going to do it. You know, I, I really have confidence he's going to. So I think it kind of goes both ways. Like, you know, yes, Frank Reich needs to be better in certain areas there when it comes to mixing it. But also, I think just the quarterback and the upgrade at the quarterback intellectually, I think that could go a long way for for getting that balance back. Because it's kind of funny because, like, you know, you think about the 2020 season, you're like, we didn't really have an issue with that when Jonathan Taylor got going. And we didn't have a problem with what Frank Reich did then. And then all of a sudden, it's Frank Reich's fault. But it was just, what's the big thing? It was just the change at quarterback, right? You know, that's my thing. And I, I, don't, I don't care if Matt Ryan... And Frank Reich come to the conclusion that Matt Ryan needs to throw 40 times in a game or that Jonathan Taylor and the running backs need to run for 35 plus times in a certain game. I'm not going to say I'm not going to be opposed to that, but it's all about understanding who you're playing. That's the big question here. It's the problem is you don't want to get one dimensional, but you also don't want to get complacent. And, and the opponent that you're facing. You have to understand when your opponent's throwing something at you, you have to be able to uh, attack it. And if if the Jacksonville Jaguars are saying, we're going to do exactly what we did last year, we're going to shut down the run game, we're going to make sure Jonathan Taylor does absolutely nothing for the against us, and we're just going to let Carson Wentz do what he does, then you have to be able to, as an offense, say, okay, we're going to, we're going to run play action. We're going to run the hell out of play action. We're going to throw the ball 40 plus times. If that's what the Jaguars want us to do, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to capitalize it. We have to be able to capitalize on that one dimensional aspect. If that's what you're forced to do. Right. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Uh, I think it comes back. It's, it's to both, you know, both need to be held accountable and both need to do a better job. I think next year, which I think they will. I think they will at the end of the day. Um, all right, that was the third point that we talked about here. Um, let's keep going, though. Let's talk about another thing. Let's flip it over to the other side of the field. Let's talk about the defense, man. I mean, you'd look at all the blown leads the Colts had last year. Now, you could blame some of that on the offense, rightfully so, right? But what about that defense, man? What about the Baltimore game, for example? That's the game that always sticks in my head of when I was so done with Matt Eberflus. That game and the Jets game. Now, obviously, the Colts won the Jets game. But you, you, we were there at that game. It's like, what are we doing with this soft coverage in the fourth quarter? What are we doing? We're up by 20 points. Why are we just allowing them to drive down the field easy? Why are we putting no pressure on them? Why are we just letting them you know, slice and dice us? What are we doing? You let their third-string quarterback throw for over 300 yards on them. Josh Johnson. Josh, Josh Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> I mean, the dude has, has played on more NFL teams 
then I think uh, he has fingers on his hands. He's man. played like, more for more than teams than years than most of these guys have actually played in the NFL. So yeah, it's wild. But yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. It was so ridiculous last year at times. Ridiculous. And it was it was a concept with Matt Eberflus altogether. You know, I think that was a, one of the main reasons why a lot of Colts fans were just done with Eberflus was because we understood that Matt Eberflus and his defensive scheme a lot of times allowed you to be aggressive at certain points, which was great. But at the end of the day, you know, there were a lot of games that the Colts lost because the defense got the defense got soft. And, you know, I mean, that defensive uh, aggressive nature went away. And we just let them play into their hands. And you mentioned it, the Ravens game. That is the one that pisses me off more than anything else from last season that Lamar Jackson in the second half went nearly perfect in that second half and threw for over 300 yards on you in the second half alone. And he could do no wrong for that. So it's like, you know, you have to, and hopefully with this new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley, you certainly hope, that with this new knowledge and this, the concept of aggressiveness with a zone coverage scheme like he has, it's going to remain the same. The aggressive nature is going to remain the same, but you're certainly hoping now you can dice up a few more things and allow your defense to now be more aggressive. You have confidence in Stephon Gilmore and Isaiah Rogers and guys like Julian Blackman, if he's healthy, to go and be those aggressive guys even at the end of games when you're just trying to make sure you secure a lead. Now, again, if you're up 25, 30 points in the fourth quarter, then I'm not saying, you know, to, to be going and 100% at everything, full blitz, uh, all engage eight blitz, whatever. I'm not suggesting that. But, you know, it is those situations when you're only up by like one or two scores in the fourth quarter, you cannot get complacent. You have to be able to stay with the same scheme you were continuing to do. I don't care if you mix things up, but playing Tampa 2, that needs to be a thing of the past now. It has to be. This cannot be a thing anymore. Yeah, seriously. It was Tampa too, like, man. Cannot be no, a thing no more. And I just, you know, the moment where I was just like beyond done was the last game of the year when you just, you're like, Trevor Lawrence was just terrible. Just God awful last year. Terrible all year. Up and then he just plays goes, the Colts. He's perfect on the, on the first drive. And I'm like, I hope Matt Eberflus leaves. Like, I, I'm so done with this crap. I was like, how? How do you I was furious, bro. Look, I mean, look, I know injuries and everything had a lot to do with it, but you know, I mean, that defense didn't that defense did not adjust for anything. I mean, there there was no. there was nothing the Colts did on that uh not at all. to be able to do anything for not them. at all. And the sad thing was this team was talented, right? This defense was talented last year, and certain ways they did great. You know, it seemed like they had some some things were like they grew in, and then other things they just like took a step back in, and it was weird how that happened, right? It was like one you feel like you got one thing fixed, and then another issue just comes up, and you're like, okay, well, what what's the deal? Because we have the same personnel, what's the deal here? And I think the deal was, you know, honestly, just the scheme and just the coordinator. I was just I'm glad he's gone because that who knows he could still be our coordinator. And honestly, Derek, I couldn't stand another season of <laughs> Al Muhammad. At defensive end as your starter. Yeah, I, I could not stand it. 
It was ridiculous. There was just so many head-scratching things. You're like, why? There's other players that are more talented. Give them more snaps. You know, for example, why is Andrew Sandejo playing that many snaps when you have George Odom? Stupid yeah. stuff. Stupid and then, stuff. you know, when it came to, yeah, the defensive line and stuff, yeah, why was al getting more snaps than uh, Kamoko Ture, who, again, was the most efficient pass rusher that we had in 2021 uh, yeah. outside of a DeForest Buckner, but... Can't, can't. Oh, but you know, Brian Baker and Matt Eberflus could not agree on that at all. So it was just bad. It was very bad. So you hope that with a new defensive coordinator and new position coaches almost all across the board, you hope that this time around that scheme becomes more effective. And because of the because of the new defensive line coach, you hope that depth purposes, depth guys are going to get more time, and that's going to leave the starters in more fresh shape going into those fourth quarters where they're not dog-tired, and then they'll be able to actually get pressure on the quarterback in the fourth quarter and not have to rely on strictly the secondary to bail everybody out. Absolutely. Yep, 100%. All right, we got a couple more points here, guys, so we'll just go right into it. I think the next point I want to talk about here, Derek, is just the start of the season, right? Because it's been very well documented at this point. Ever since Frank Reich has taken the head coaching job, the Colts have not won a season, their first game ever. Whether it's season opener, whether it's just an away game, the Colts are winless somehow. They start off terribly. Last year, started Every off terribly. Year is the same way. 2018 terribly one and five to start the year it's just it's just like what is with these slow starts every single year now the philip rivers one a little bit better of a start than you had it's probably honestly your best start you've had uh maybe outside of 2019 for the first four games yeah it was it was like two and two three and one so it wasn't too bad all things considered but you know like that was your best one and then uh other than that it's just been pretty terrible honestly and honestly derek i think that's a big reason why you haven't won the division also because you start off so slow and then Tennessee starts off so hot. And then when things start to even out a little bit, you're so far behind because you're terrible starts every year that you can't win the division at that point, right? You just got to hope for a wild card spot. I think that was the situation last year, if I'm not mistaken, when yeah. Tennessee started off this the year on uh, or once I don't remember if it was 2020 or 2021, but the Tennessee Titans started off like six and two and the Colts had a losing record uh, through the first eight weeks as well. And then it's like, dude, we, we keep falling behind so much and, you know, and starting off strong this year is more important than ever because your first seven games, almost every single one of them involves a divisional opponent. So you have to, I mean, uh, through their first seven games, six of the or uh, five of those games are going to be divisional guys. So yep. you need to be on your A game. You need to. And especially the first two games of the season, very winnable games at Houston and then at Jacksonville. You're two road games right off the bat. But again, imp- opponents that you should beat, you you need to get off to a fast start this time around. It, it has to be a thing now because it's it, it's the days of starting off slow and just hoping that the team goes on this miracle run at the end of the season. It, it, it has to stop. Now I don't I don't mind if the Colts go eight and one in their final nine games. I don't care. But in your first seven games, do me a favor. Go go four and three at least, or right. 
<laughs> or even three and four. I don't care. At least that's at least you're like in the middle in a way. Don't don't be going one and one and six or two and five. Yeah. You just start off bad. So, like, for example, when you have crap that happens at the end of the season, like think of the Colts would have started off at least decent last year, right? They win two to three games in the first five or six weeks. They're in the playoffs. Doesn't matter. They're in the playoffs because of their stretch they had, you know, in the midseason and near the end of the season. But no, you started off slow again. And I think that leads me to the next point, Derek, is just the monkeys that you've had on your back ever since Frank Reich and this new regime have taken over have just been absolutely ridiculous. You know, first I've talked about you haven't won you know, at all in week number one. You haven't beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville ever. You haven't won the division. You're 15 and 10 in your own division with two teams that have been the bottom tier, you know, for that pretty are, much the last yeah, couple of seasons. five in the draft order every year. And somehow you're 15 and 10 in, in the division. That is nuts. That is unacceptable. And you talked about the first two weeks. You have a real chance, Derek, to knock off two of those monkeys off your back immediately. Playing Houston week one. Houston's terrible. Okay, Houston is terrible. They're bad. If you can't beat Houston in Houston this year, like I don't know if you're ever going to win another game under this regime. Like in week one, like it's ridiculous. So, and then you go to get to go to Jacksonville. So, boom, you could knock off two of them right there. Start off confident, ready to go, man, for the season. Yes, going into your, your home opener of all things. Exactly. You knock off those bad luck stuff, and you say, "All right, the curses are broken. Let's focus on this big one that we're about to have here." Kansas City. Yep. yep. It's going to be big. So you have a chance to do that. And if you can start the season off strong, you have a chance to get those monkeys off your back. And then the final point we want to make about the things the Colts must do differently here in 2022 is they must be locked in down the stretch. I mean, this one was coming. You guys knew it. The Colts, frankly, crapped the bed when it came to down the stretch. You know, how, how do you lose to... How do you lose both games? Uh, first off, I understand the Raiders game, okay, a little bit more. But Jacksonville? How? Yeah, 97% chance to make it to the playoffs. Game. One game. You beat, you beat really good teams, okay, a couple weeks prior. How in the world do you lose to these two teams? I don't understand it. It's absolutely insane and ridiculous to me. Um, but, you know, I think you just got to be more locked in down the home stretch. And I think that comes back, Derek, to the accountability in the locker room. Right. And the Colts have made a concerted effort this offseason to add accountability, whether it's the, the new coaches they brought in, you know, the guys that have been in the league 15, 20 years, you know, the former players who were Super Bowl champs, you know, a lot of them, two of them. Um, and then you bring in, you know, uh, just some of the vet guys that have been to Super Bowls, have been, you know, former defensive players of the year and, and of that thing. Uh, and you got to think the Colts have at least on paper done a lot of things to help accountability, but. At the end of the day, you got to shut. You got to put up and shut up. At the end of the day, or else none of it matters. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the freaking head, man. And you know, we talked about it. We saw everyone saw the Hard Knocks episode where Darius Leonard, you know, said on the Zoom call, you know, this last pr week of practice before the Raiders game, we just weren't locked in. We were not locked in. We weren't uh, looking like the normal practices we normally have. And you know, he was the only one that really said anything about it. And, you know, I mean, it's time for more of that. You know, it's time for more of that. Like you said, the accountability. Guys like Stephon Gilmore, Rodney McLeod, Matt Ryan, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. You know, those guys to start saying enough of enough of the mediocrity. 
now nah, it's time to it's time to actually step up here and know that we are the better team and it's time to show it not talk about it show it every single week not just some weeks when prime time everybody's looking at us it even includes the last two games of the season against teams that we know we should beat and that we know there's a 97% chance we're going to make the playoffs. We know we're supposed to win those games, but we don't go out and actually do it. So now is a different, and I hope that this last year's experience, you know, gives them a fair warning to understand that, hey, we can't repeat this again. This can't happen. It can't. Because some, some people's jobs are going to be on the line with this uh, if that circumstance is to happen again. So, yeah, I mean, being locked in in these stretches, and you and I said it from, I think it's week nine to about week, or no, it's like week 10 or 11 to like week 13 or 14 of this season. I mean, the Colts have a very tough stretch of games. I mean, they got to face New England. They got to face... The Raiders in Vegas, they got to face Philly, who just came off of a playoff season uh, under Nick Sirianni, and that team is stacked. And then you got to face the Chargers in prime time. I mean, that's a, that is a tough stretch of games. You know, for them to come out of that even, I think would be fantastic, especially for what you see at the end of the season, the opponents they have to face. The end of the sketch, the beginning of the schedule, and the end of the schedule is very favorable for the Colts. So if they can come out of those stretches and at the end of seasons looking like what they should be, this team's ready to go to the playoffs and contend. Yep. But that is my concern because they haven't been there yet and they haven't done that yet. These aren't the Manning teams, you know, that that were there consistently every year, winning 11, 12, 13 games every single year. So they got to prove me wrong. They got to prove me wrong. I, and like you said, Derek, when it comes to winning in Jacksonville, I'm not going to believe it, Colts, until you prove me wrong. Exactly. So go ahead and prove me wrong. I will be so overjoyed if you prove me wrong. Yes, but please. I'm a skeptic. I'm going to say it. I'm a skeptic because they disappointed me so bad last year. And I get why some Colts fans are like, okay. I, I mean, I'm not going to get overhyped about this because look what happened last year. I mean, they've done on paper. They've said the right things. They've done the right things. But – when it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, how are you going to respond? And I'm waiting to see how they're going to respond. And I think we both are. Uh, but they certainly have done the things and said the things. But talk is cheap if you don't back it up. Yeah. All right, guys. That'll do it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Derek's always fun, man, to just jump on here. Just have some good conversations. Whether or not we always agree or see eye to eye is who cares, man. I just yeah. love being able to talk football, having the freedom to do that, um, and just able to enjoy it you know mm -hmm. um and i appreciate everybody else and i'm sure you do too as well derek the people who have supported us along the way i mean seriously we could not have done it without so many people like you tuning in every single episode hitting that like button subscribing pushing it out to more people we so much appreciate that and uh, guys we're not stopping anytime soon we're going to continue in the content throughout the summer i know it's a little bit of a lull month but hey why not stop here with us and enjoy more colts content that'll do it for this episode though guys be sure to look out for more episodes very soon as always guys go colts
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.